Good evening. May God bless all of us. Looking forward to God's blessings again, and thank you for the ones that have shared the songs, the singing. Praise to God. Immortal praise to an immortal God. Praise to God, eternal praise. I, um, I too rejoice that my father and my parents are here tonight, and some of my family, my brothers and sisters, different of the relatives, that's a blessing to me tonight. And I'm glad that they can be here. I'd like to um, go back to the text we've been studying. We've been studying this week. We're making a study of 1 Timothy 6, verses 13 to 16. <clears throat> Glad Dad's here tonight. <laughs> I've heard Dad preach many times, probably a lot. People say it. Someone told me here when I preach, it looks like I'm Dad preaching, so I don't mind that. I learned from him, so... <laughs> I'm glad he's here tonight. And what we've been doing tonight, this week, Dad, has been looking at this passage, chapter 1 Timothy 6, verses 13 to 16. And uh, basically what we have done up till now is doing a study of God, who God is. The passage here, the basic command is, I give thee charge that thou keep this commandment. That's the basic commandment of the passage. It's all one verse, by the way. We have been looking at, um, oh, it tells us how to keep the commandment and till when. And I think in verse 12, it gives us the commandment. But the rest of the passage basically, well, it also speaks about Jesus Christ, which we want to talk about tomorrow morning, Lord willing. But most of the passage is, um, speaks about who God is. And this week we have been looking at who God is because we... We live according to what we think about God, our concept of God. And really the, con the character of God, who God is, what he says too, what he says, what the word of God says, but that's all an expression of who he is. And if we can have a, a sound understanding of who God is, it directs our lives. And uh, so let's read this. And notice what it says about God as we read the passage. 1 Timothy 6, verse 13. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things. And before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in light, which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. What we have done this week so far is looked at these attributes of God, and as always, to look at God is a blessing. It refreshes our values. It refreshes how we think and how we live. And we have worshiped God this week, and that straightens up our lives. Tonight, after, um, after sharing these this week, I have really appreciated the group of youth here that sit up front here and give me support. 
And uh, I have felt of the Lord this tonight to speak to the youth. But I still want to use this as a base to build on as we look at, at youth. Because for youth as well as older people, the character of God and who God is and our concept of God gives us direction. You know, we have this verse in Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own, in thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. The last part of that verse recently, I've been, the Lord has been impressing me with this thing of the character of God and who God is. The last part of this verse has taken on a new meaning for me. I used to always think that if we acknowledge God, sort of give him recognition, then he will lead us. But I see, a, I think another depth to that is that if we acknowledge who God is, we understand and we, take, we acknowledge him in our lives. We acknowledge the character and the person of God in our lives. The character of God directs our lives. Who God is gives us direction on how to live. And um, I'd like tonight to look at the, for the youth some different things. I've got the different things I'd like to talk about. Uh, but the basic thing is this, is that we take God into our lives. That I built my life on God. I, I, I fill my life with God. And the way I think and my values and whatever interests me is related to, to God. And to who God is and his character in my life. We noticed here the first one is who quickeneth all things. And that is who gives life to everything. He is the creator and gave life to everything. We notice that he is the blessed one. That was a blessing for me to study that and hope it was for you, that God is blessed. God is good. God is the source of all blessing. We notice that he is the only potentate. That means the only sovereign one. He rules the universe. King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality. He is life and life eternal. And last night we looked at um, light, which no man can approach. We looked at the beauty Light of God, the beauty of God. God, light is beautiful. Last night we looked at that holiness is beautiful. And I would just like to remind the youth again of that tonight. Sometimes we think that holiness is uh, sort of stiff and serious. But holiness is fullness of life. There is no greater joy but to be in the presence of a holy God. Holiness is fullness of life and fullness of joy. There's no greater joy than to live in God. And as we think about this great God, we've talked about this week, this great, big, wonderful mind, the wisdom, the power, the greatness, the perfection, the beauty of God. And if we think about bringing our lives into Him and flowing with Him, totally immerse ourselves in the character of God and live for God in a just... Give our lives to Him. That's fullness of joy. The presence of God is the blessing, the greatest blessing a human being can know. And to live for Him is the greatest of joys. And, and I'd like to encourage us not to follow the ways of Satan. Satan tries to deceive us, and Satan tells us that to, you know, I don't want to be too committed. I want to be a Christian, but not too committed. I don't want to be too holy. You know, that's impossible to be too holy. Now, we might have the wrong concept of holy. Yeah, you might have the wrong concept of what it is to be holy, but it's impossible to be too holy. And the holier we are and the fuller we are of God, 
the fuller of blessing and the fullness of joy of serving him. So I'd like to encourage these young people tonight that um, to live for God, to go for it. Go living for him with all your hearts because he is the eternal power. And another thing, God will be victorious. God's name and God's glory, no one and nothing can defeat. God will be and God's plan and God's kingdom will be victorious. To be a part of that kingdom is the greatest of thrills and fulfillment to be part of God's kingdom and doing what God's doing and being a little part of what God's doing. So tonight I'd like to, I'd like to look, talk now about youth and think about how we fit into where God is. And I have a variety of things, sort of a mixed solid here tonight. I'm not sure how we'll get along with the time, but we'll see. I'd like to start out with something that, um, that youth often struggle with. I remember I did. I talked a little bit about this, I think, the other night, too. Sometimes we struggle with how we look. And unfortunately, our world has made that very important, you know, how we look. And our culture tells us what is beautiful and what is not beautiful. You know, that varies from culture to culture. It varies from time to time. It's changing in my lifetime. Um, there's a difference in Central America in Costa Rica and what they think is beautiful and what, you, what they think up here is beautiful. But you know, what is beautiful? And why are we so concerned about it? Let's look at God as creator. <clears throat> the creator God. And he creates Adam and Eve. And you know, Adam, you know, we're telling you, talk about beauty, we're talking about our genetics. We're talking about our genes. You know, our genes tell us what kind of nose. I think, yeah, I told you the other night that I don't like, I used to not like my nose. Uh, Merle sent me an email the next day. You know, Merle said he thinks God started making a toucan when he started making me, and then he changed his mind halfway down. The, we had some humor going between us here on emails. Um, I'm so, I told him I'm glad that he stopped with the red in my nose and didn't start putting the yellow and the blue in. But, you know, we talk about, when we talk about beauty, we're talking about genetics. My type of nose, uh, my eyebrows, uh, the shape of my face. You know, some people have square faces, some people have round faces, some people have, have haze, uh, head shaped like, a, like a, a heart, and others like a teardrop, and some are round, and some eyes are big, some eyes are smaller, some noses are wide, but all different varieties. And that's, we're talking about genetics. We have different colors of skin. And, you know, I'd like to just look at it a little differently. You know, when Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve were, had a rich, the fullest of gene pools. When Adam and Eve were created, do you know, the genes were in Adam and Eve for all of the races. All, all the different colors, all the different noses, and all the different eyes, Adam and Eve had that capacity in their genes. I don't, I've lost that. For me and my wife, we're both white, and we have this certain characteristics about it. For us to have a, a child of another race is virtually impossible because we have lost genes, right? Adam and Eve had all the races. They could have had a multiracial family, beautiful family. And um, they had the, in their genes was all kinds of eyes, all kinds of nose, all kinds of mouths, different types of hair. They had all of that genes were in there. And I think one thing when Adam, when God took Eve, this is not very important, but anyway, that when God took Eve out of Adam's side, they both had the same genetics. They're identical genetics, I think, by that. But anyway, they had all the capacity for a full, all the races. We have lost that. 
I was uh, one of Ruthanna's, my wife's brothers married a lady who's Native American and African American, which we used to say Indian and black. And really by that marriage, I've told him, he has again enriched his gene pool tremendously. Now let's think about this. This is thinking about our creator God and help us even understand races. It's impossible for me to have certain races. If we would again mix our genes again, we again have the ability of having a wider range of genes. Isn't that interesting? And that's what God's original plan was. I, so anyway, that's just something about races. But anyway, in, in this thing of the gene pool, you know, they say, I, I, can't, I can't do this math, but when at conception, at conception, when you were conceived, when I was conceived, at conception, the, the possibility of differences or varieties the possibility of varieties in, at the moment of our conception, the numbers are larger than all the atoms in the universe. That blows my mind. But of course, that's talking about your nose, your eyes, your, your liver, your lung, your, your fingernails. It's talking about every detail in your life is in the. Okay, now, and you know, in God's gene pool, there's certain kind of eyes, certain kind of nose, certain kind of mouth, certain kind of shapes. So really, it's not that some of us are beautiful and some of us are ugly. It's simply a different combination of genes. I remember years ago, I was at a museum, and you could sit down in the museum and look at yourself in the mirror, and then you could go on the screen on a computer, and you could choose your nose. And you go through the noses. No, first you choose the shape of your face. Well, mine's sort of round, I think. You know, I chose the shape of my face. And then I looked for the eyes, like, look clearer, closest to mine. When I was younger, they're different than they are now, and I have bags under them. But anyway... Um, and you choose eyes that look like yours, or all kinds of eyes. You choose the eyes that look like mine. Then I go through a whole bunch of noses and choose a nose that looks like mine. Then I choose a mouth that looks like mine. So really, you know, when, when at, at conception, when we were formed, let's look at it this way. It's not that some are beautiful and some are, are ugly. We're all interesting, different combination of genes. You know what I mean? Different eyes, different noses. And so we're all interesting. Don't you think that's the way God would look at it? That's the way he created it. So it's not fair, it's not good to say some are beautiful and some are ugly. I try to be very careful, never say a person is ugly. It's just a different, interesting combination of genes. So interesting nose, interesting mouths, interesting eyes, we're all different. We're all part of God's creation. And like we said before, the main thing is the purpose we are created for. What am I here for? Who am I? What am I here for? And it's to show Jesus in my body. And then, we're all beautiful. True beauty is not in the nose, it's not in the hair, it's not in the shape of the body. True beauty is the character that you see, the character. The beauty of the character. And praise the Lord, we have access to the Holy Spirit and we can all be beautiful. You don't need to be smart. You don't have a lot of money. You don't have a lot of education. You don't have to certain family. We can all receive the Lord Jesus Christ into our lives, and we can be beautiful right where we are. So please, take care of that. You're not ugly. Neither are you very beautiful. It's really, you know, that concept hurts us. I don't like it when I see in the church that the so-called cute children get more attention than the ones that are not as cute. That's not fair. That should not happen in the Church of Jesus Christ. That should not happen. Neither should it happen in youth group. 
that the supposedly cute girls get all the attention. You realize that really to love, the love of a marriage is something beautiful. I've lived 28, almost 28 lives, right? Uh, lives, years, <laughs> not lives. One's enough. 28 years with my wife, and I love her. She's the most precious person in my life. There's no one that I enjoy to be with like my wife. And to be close to her, just close, and just be together. We've cried together. We've suffered together. We've raised children together. We went through hard times, sickness, and health and blessings. And we're together. We love each other. So her face is the most beautiful face in the world. It's the person I love. And even if something would happen, her face would change because of an accident. She's still the person I love. So really how we look is not that important. The function of love in marriage uh, is not looks. And actually, I'll say this kindly and gently, people that think they're very beautiful actually have a problem. The concept of thinking that I'm prettier than the rest can actually hinder us in our, in our marriage relationships or any relationship. So let's just race that. No one's beautiful, no one's ugly. We're just all different. Different combinations of God's genes created by God, and we can all be beautiful. We can all be beautiful. The psalm says, my substance was not hid from thee, this great big mind. You know, how does God do this? He has this great big mind of God, and he's involved in all of our lives. It says, my substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, just very small. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. God planned us. I think I told you the other night, I'm going to repeat it again for the ones who weren't here. I used to struggle with that. Not only my nose, there was other issues that I didn't like. I don't know why, but we usually, most of us struggle with this, no matter how we look. But I remember the day I could take you, well, the house is gone now. I could take you to the bedroom, the bed I was laying on when I was thinking. If God made me this way, he must want me this way. And if God wants me this way, it's okay. I can almost make a poem with that. But you know, that was a milestone in my life. It's not as important to me anymore. But at that moment, years ago when I was young, that's one of the milestones in my life. When I said, okay, God, if you made me this way, you want me this way. And if you want me this way, it's okay. Then we can leave it behind and move forward. <clears throat> The other thing I'd like to just mention briefly, we have talked about it this week, and I would like to just mention again, one of the most important things and the first things we need to learn for the blessing of God in our lives is the first commandment with promise. And you can say, oh, come on, Mark. We've heard this in Sunday school. We've heard it in school. We've heard it so often. Children's classes, half of them, they talk about obeying your parents. Yeah. But the Bible says that is the first commandment with promise. And I'm going to tell you a little bit why. We mentioned that the night we talked about the sovereignty of God and God's eternal rule and God's glory and the God's, God's power is flowing and it's moving and it's doing something. God's power is not asleep. God's power is not forgot. 
And all the powers of darkness can do what they want, but God's power is still moving. And there's a requirement for us to move with his power and let his power move and work in our lives. And it's a submissive, broken heart. And so to learn to submit to your parents, to your teachers or whatever authority is, don't just think about this thing that he wants me to do. You know, maybe your father, maybe your mother wants you to do something you don't want to do. Don't worry about that. That's not the important issue. Uh, yeah, do it. It is important. But the important issue is that you learn to give in and do someone else and what it does for you, for you. Let's say your dad. You're sure your dad's wrong. You're sure mom's wrong. Could be. Who cares? No, well, I, I doubt if they are. They're probably right. But the issue is this. No matter what it is, it does something for you. When you can give in and work with others. It's a world of a difference. And you can look around, you open your eyes. I, I, I tell you again, young people, I encourage you to stop, look, and think. A lot of people don't. Most people don't think. They just follow the crowd. And I'd like you to stop and think. And you notice the people who have learned to submit and learned to work together. Watch them. Watch them for one year. Watch them for 10 years. Watch them for 20 years. Watch them for 50 years. So it's for our own, that is why this commandment, it's the thing of learning how to, 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 to surrender, to submit, to give in, and to flow with others. Because the kingdom of God is the power of God working and flowing. And a man, me or you, that stands and says, me no, I resist, I know what I'm doing, let's let me go, I'll take care of myself. That kind of attitude is like, a, it's like something vibrating and and jamming up God's, God's project. It's like, it doesn't fit. doesn't fit. But we can learn to die, to give in, to surrender. And we can flow with what God's doing and with God's people. So the next time you have a struggle with obeying, be it uh, your husband. Uh, sorry. Husband. Well, maybe. Maybe for too long, your husband. I'm sorry. I was going to say your father, your mother, your school teacher the minister, the policeman, whoever, and you have a hard time submitting to something, stop and think about your own heart. I remember once I walked for, worked for a boss. Dad was always a good father. He had his weaknesses, but Dad never yelled at us. Dad never yelled at us. That I recall. I don't think he did. I don't remember my dad ever spanking me angry. He maybe did. I don't remember it. But I worked for a boss a few years who yelled at me. I mean, he'd yell at me, and he'd, I won't even do it here. He would yell at me, and, and off of the job, he was fine. But on the job, he would yell at me, and, and he was sometimes unreasonable. I loved him. I came to love him dearly. But I was a Christian already, and I decided I was going to submit and just submit. There's times he'd ask me to do things that the men that worked with me said, Why in the world, the boss is, the boss is angry today. Boss is nervous today, they'd say. And, and the boss is asking, it's unreasonable what he's asking. One day he asked me to wash a car in the cold weather. And my co-worker said, that is unreasonable. Now he's asking out there in the cold water, in the cold water. And you know, I decided I'm going to do it for Jesus. And I found a blessing working for him. It was a blessing. And when I left that community, because I was there for about a year and a half, when I left that community, I cried more when I said goodbye to him than, than the rest, anyone else, even my own, my own family. Something happened between us. 
I know he loved me and I loved him. But the thing of just, it did something for me. It didn't change him. I didn't notice anyway. Um, but it did something for me. And that's what I'd like to encourage you as you work with things, that is, is understanding this and um, uh, that what it is in your own heart. And the resisting heart will follow you and haunt you and hurt you all your life. Some of you, I'll just throw this in quickly, some of you might have problems with your parents, with your father. If you do, I'd encourage you to get help or do something about it and resolve it. Because problems with parents that are not resolved even after they're dead can still haunt us. And are things that need to be taken care of. And sometimes we need help for someone else to help us with that. But I hope none of you have that situation. <clears throat> the next thing I'd like to just look at is um, who is directing my life? Is it God that's directing my life or is it things in this world? What is the, um, the guiding factor? What's the motivating factor? What is, what is the thing that's, that's motivating me in life? What am I imitating? Who, who are my heroes? You stop and think, who are my heroes? Who am I following? And of course, if we take God into account, if we acknowledge God, it's taken care of. <laughs> yeah. Then we love God and we love the men that love God. But um, I'd like to encourage you to take a stand for God and to unapologetically make a break with all the things of this world and follow God. Follow God. The Bible says you cannot love God and love the world. There's, 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 a, there's a commitment here to one thing. You can't do both. And then when you stop and think about it, why in the world? And I wish I'd have time and I won't tonight. If you want to have an interesting study, take go home with your Bibles and get out your notebooks and get out a concordance or whatever you need, and you study every, what the New Testament says about Jesus. And you study what the New Testament says about Satan and about the two kings, and you make a list, the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of, of Jesus. Characteristics in, in the two kings. Characteristics in the kingdoms. And then the end of the two kingdoms. You stop and think about that, and you say, well, of course... I want to follow God. You know, it's sort of, I don't know why, we don't stop and think, but sometimes we try to imitate things of the world. I said this the other night, when I was young, um, I'm glad, I, I don't even remember the names. I used to know the names of the Beatles. I used to, that, back when I was young, those were the big, those were the idols then. They're sort of coming back, I think, I hear about them here now. And the Beatles now are interesting, mainly as a study. They're, they're an interesting study of what's happened to our culture. They are that. But I used to know their names, and I remember one, there was, when we were young, some friends of ours, they went out, and I was in a newspaper somewhere, this article about how to make a haircut like the Beatles. And these boys went out, and they wanted to try to make a haircut like the Beatles. Why would they do that? Why would they do that? If you study the story of the Beatles and the end of their lives and the type of lives they lived, why in the world? Back when I was young, too, Marilyn Monroe, maybe you don't know who she was. She used to be a hero. But watch a sad life. Elvis Presley, now this recent one, Michael Jackson. Why in the world would anyone try to dress like them and fix their hair like them? At one time it was Prince Diana. I remember when Prince Diana, you know, that in Costa Rica, everyone's trying to fix their hair. The ladies are trying to fix their hair like Prince Diana. And if, but if you, she was famous and had a lot of money in some of these things. But if you'd studied her life, her marriage... In the end of her life, tell me something. Who would want to follow that kind of a lifestyle? You stop and th the trouble is we don't stop and think. 
Then I've got another question for you. Let me see here. There's Leon back there, and you have older brethren in the church. You have men of God here, and you can see it in their lives. Why aren't we trying to dress like them and look like them? Why not? I'd rather, I'd rather imitate Leon than and Elvis Presley. <laughs> right? <laughs> or whoever. You know what I'm saying? And I'd like to encourage young people to stop and think. Who do you want to imitate? Because we sort of tend to get to think like the, the, pe the people we, we admire. You know, who do you admire and why do you admire them? Because if we stop and think about this great big God and we think about God, Think about truth, how things really are. Why in the world would you want to follow after the things of this world? Wouldn't know why. But you know what? These things are something, and I would encourage you this. These are something we need to work at on a personal level. You're not going to take care of just sitting here tonight listening to me, and maybe this doesn't mean much to you, but if it does, I'd encourage you to go home, maybe next week, and stop and think and pray. You know, who am I? What am I here for? And what, what really do I want to do? What do you, you're going to live only life once. And what do I want to do with my life? Who do I want to imitate? Who do I want to be like? And make some serious decisions and commitments in your personal life. <clears throat> Another thing I like to talk about is our sexuality. We are sexual beings. God created us that way. Men and women, boys and girls, we are sexual beings. We have bodies that are different, and we have hormones, and the hormones in our bodies give us strong desires. God created us that way. God gave us those desires. God put those hormones in our body, and it's his design. And when he was finished, what did he say? It is very good. It's not wrong. There's not wrong to have the desires. It's not wrong to have the hormones. and The desires we have in our body are not wrong. They were put there by God. Now, in our culture today, they're stimulated way out of proportion, maybe. But as, as, as in reality, being a sexual human being, being a man or being a woman, is God designed that. And if you can just stop and say, Lord, thank you for making me this way, but I want to use it in your way. I want to live in your purpose. You remember, I don't know where all of you here when we talked about um, the Tukan. And we talked about ducks. You know, the toucan is a beautiful bird when it lives like a toucan. A toucan can't be a duck, and a duck can't be a toucan. So the purpose that God had for the toucan limits the toucan to live only as a toucan. It has to eat what a toucan needs to do with it. it was, God's purpose sets a framework around our lives that limits our lives. And most often as young people, we don't like to hear that. But God's purpose limits us to live with his, in his purpose. So there's some things that are acceptable and some things that are not acceptable. Some things, and it's another way of saying it, the things that are according to the character of God and the purpose of God are good. And the things that are not according to the purpose and plan of God are sin. That's a very simple way of saying what sin is. So when we understand that and we accept God's plan for our lives, our sexuality is something and it's more than just sexuality. It's like I, I say with my wife. The relationship I have with my wife is wonderful. You know, I like to be close to her. I could 
Brother, I could hug you. You know, I could sit down with my arm around you. But there's no person that I can sit down and just lay my head over against her and just feel so good then just stay there as my wife. I wouldn't do that with you. You know, it's okay. I'm glad. You're glad too. Okay. Um, but the relationship between husband and wife is something so close. It's something unique. A blessing. But it needs to be only one man and one woman. The love I have with my wife, and I'm so glad that she's here with me this week. It's such a blessing. Uh, but, you know, if we, even if she wouldn't be here, and I'm far away, the moment another woman comes into my life, just in my heart, men sitting back there, just in my mind and in my heart, another woman starts taking something. I haven't said a word to, haven't touched her, nothing has happened. But in my heart, there's a love growing for another woman. When I get home to my wife, my love for her is different. Because I got the secret of another woman. Now, what, what I'm saying by this is, and the same thing is true of her, and we have a beautiful confidence in each other, but I'm saying the type of relationship is a relationship that can happen only with two people. So, for us today, I would like to encourage you to understand God designed it that way. That's the framework of marriage and our sexuality, is that it's only with two, with two people, between two people. It is, it is not wrong. It is good. It is wonderful. But it's to something designed to be very precious, very personal, between only two people. Now, so for that reason, young men and young ladies, keep your minds, keep your thoughts, keep your bodies for that one purpose that God has for you. I was going to say this a little later, for example, pornography. When I was young, it was hard to get a hold of pornography. Harder, at least. I remember when I saw the first... You know, junk, trash. But today, it's just all over. But pornography is damaging to your character. It damages your relationship, the quality of your character to later love one woman. I have so different times. I've had men come and say, Mark, pray for me. Oh, I want to get rid of all these images, all these other women that I've seen. Because they hinder to love one woman. So young man, I'll throw this in now. Young man, pornography, you decide. Your dad can't watch you all the time. Your mother, your minister, no one can watch all the time. You decide. Me, no. And if you've been in that, I'd encourage you to look for help. You've got some fine group of ministers here and fathers. Look for help. Because I have prayed with men. They can clean their minds of all the other women. You see what I'm saying? Other women. So if, if you understand God's plan, God's purpose in creating us, it was for one and one. So I decide I'm going to keep myself for that and not get my mind all filled up with all, the, with all the other women that mess us up later. And it's something we need to decide for ourselves and, and um, keep my heart, keep my mind for the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, keep myself clean. So that I can love the way God wants us to love. Love God wants to love. I remember talking once to a man who knew what it was like to have a lot of women. And he told me, after a while, you don't love any of them. You can't love a lot of women at once. You lose the ability to really be personal and love. You lose the ability to really be personal and love. You understand that? 
Same thing is true, both sides here, you know. So, so we need to, I'd like to encourage you, and if you have get, gotten mixed up in the wrong type of thing, there the Lord Jesus Christ is wonderful. We can repent, and some of these issues, I'd encourage you to look for help from someone and confess and open and open up your lives and pray. And I like to lay my hands on men and like our women pray, just pray, Lord, bless, cleanse this man from all the past. Cleanse him. And you can be cleaned up and be set up good for a good marriage. No problem. But we need to take care of it. Because, but what I would like you to understand is that that type of thing is what leads us and destroys our, it's out of God's plan. Just like the duck, the toucan trying to swim like a duck. Just like the toucan that tries to live in the, in the water. It will not work. So if we get into this type of thing, it will not work and will actually harm ourselves. <clears throat> Don't be like the dumb ox. It's interesting how the God says that. The dumb ox. Why is an ox dumb? It's a dumb cow or dumb steer. Because they put a rope on him and they lead him and he just follows right along. They lead him right time to a post and they kill him and eat him. And he is dumb. Uh, he's right. So he doesn't know what he's going to. He'll just walk right up to him. Stand right there for him to kill him. But he compares that to a young man or a young lady who is a dumb ox, follows after uh, the wrong women or the wrong men. Go after this passion. And it's a god of our day. Everyone's just riled away. They're blowing this thing up. You know? A dumb ox would just follow, just close his eyes and just go right up to it and just walk on his death. And that's why a lot of people don't stop and think. They just walk right up. It is a very foolish thing to be led by our passions. Our passions are good. The passions have a right place. But out of its place, it's very harmful. And so you need to under, I'd like to discourage you, we as young people, understand that and decide, I'm going for God's way. I'm going for God's way. And like I say, in this world that we are in today, we need to make a serious decisions, and you, you should do that. <clears throat> I'd like to encourage the sisters tonight um, in this area. You know, ladies have a power with men. Your, your attraction, your beauty as ladies has a power with men. And there's a lot of ladies that use that to win acceptance. They use their physical beauty and, and you can do that. Depends the way you dress, and I'm glad the way you dress tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Such beautiful to have ladies dress like you. But, you know, you can dress in a way, and you can go out and get men look at you. They will. There's a power of a woman. Uh, and you can use that to say, I am accepted because I'm pretty, you know. I, 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 everybody stops and looks at me. Everybody, you know, look at me. So they think, that is my value. I'm being this little dolly that everyone likes. And there's, I remember my wife and I, soon after we moved to Chicago, there's a little girl that we met soon after we were there. She'd come to our house sometimes, and she'd come in, and we'd talk with her. And, but as she grew older, she turned into what the world says, an attractive young lady. And she played the game. She dressed for it. She dressed real short dresses, and she fixed herself up, and she walked through town, and she was... Sure, everyone would look at her. I mean, not everyone. I hope I didn't. But uh, the men would look at her, and everyone would, wow, and they'd be real nice to her. But the real thing was a silly thing, you know, because she was like the doll of the town. 
But I watched her. I remember one day we invited her in our house again. And I tried to witness to her. But she was like, so like drunk with this thing. She was so infatuated with this thing. She just sat there and just smiled and see the Marcos, see the Marcos, but didn't get anywhere with her. But I watched her. She was a doll of town. Every, all the men would like her and make eyes at her and say things at her. And then I saw her with one man. Then I saw her with another man. She lived right close to us. And then another man. And then she started collecting children. And I don't know. I haven't seen her for years, for some years now. She ended up in prison. This makes me sad because the, 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 the accusation was that she killed one of her children. I don't know if she did or didn't. She says she didn't. But I can imagine a very frustrated young lady who thought her value was her beauty, and now she's got one baby, and now she's got two babies, and these babies cry, and they fuss, and, they, and now I can't go out and run around where I did. I can imagine a woman like that getting frustrated with a baby. I, I, I don't know, but you know what I'm saying? I can imagine a woman like that getting frustrated. And that breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. I know another case was a lady, she's married now, I'm glad for that. Her mother is a, is a member of the church at home, and, and the mother asked me to come to ask my wife and I to come talk to her. She said, my daughter's got problems. She told me. She said, three men. The first man, she had a child with him. Am I right, three? I think it was three, honey. Was it three or four? Two. Anyway, so I said, sure, I'll go talk to her. So I went there, and she was again. She, she was playing the game. She was dressed for it. She was dressed for it. The way she acted, she was playing the game. And I had even, when I first began there, I had to watch my eyes a little bit because she was dressed for it, the way she handled herself. She was just, she did it all just a, it was a very essential type of thing, the way she did it. But we started talking. And very soon I forgot the indecency of her body because I started seeing her heart. She started telling me. She said, I found this man that I, I thought we loved each other. And we lived, they weren't married, but we lived together and we had a little baby and then we had problems. And then he left me, and then he went to the law about it, and he took my little child away. And I was all alone. And then another man came, and I thought he loved me, and we lived together, and then he dumped me. And then, then her lip starts trembling. And tears start running down the tree. Yes, she told me too, and I remembered I knew there was three. The mother told me there was three. And she said, she says, Don Marcos, what is wrong with me? What is wrong that I can't love? Why is it that I can't find a love relationship she started crying. What is wrong? What was wrong? You can tell easy, can't you? These boys back here can tell me what was wrong. That's not the way you do it. You don't let people take you just because of your beauty and play the game and go live with the first man that comes around. I told her. I said, we talked quite a while, and I told her, I said, don't let another man touch you, kiss you, or hug you. I was frank with him. Don't let another man touch you, kiss you, or hug you until he's willing to commit his life to marriage and to love you till death do you part. That's God's way, right? Such a simple solution to the problem. She didn't listen to me. A few months later, she was with another man. I am glad to say, maybe she did sort of have, she, did, she, she is married to him now. But she did start living with him again without that commitment. If you want to have a good life, you know you don't do that, right? That's God. There's again, we're living within God's framework. And don't use your, your attractiveness. Don't use it. You, all ladies are attractive. That's the way God made it. There's nothing wrong with it. 
But don't use that. Your value is not in your attraction. Your value is not in the way you look. Your value is in who you are. Created by God. And why you're created. I'm not sure if you're all here the night we talked. Why we're created to show God's glory. So don't. Don't. Use the outward physical attraction to win your approval. And if some of you have had the temptation to using your body and to use outward fixing and to get, to get men's attention, I'll just say this. Stop and think about it, young ladies. If you have used your body to get men's attention, stop and think about it. Is that really what you want to do? Is that really what you want to do? If you're going to win a man's attention because of your body, he's probably not the kind of man you want to live with anyhow. You know what I'm saying? If you've had a temptation with that, you go home and pray about it and just change. Just change. Because you want a man to love you for who you are. That's why in the church we cover ourselves and keep ourselves. My wife is beautiful for me. But tell me, what would my wife be, what would be in her heart if she would take that beauty that I appreciate and start showing it off to everyone? What would be in your heart? Don't think about it. I'm saying that to help us to understand God's plan. Huh? God's plan. And then, switch right men, don't play that game. Don't play that game. The way you treat ladies, the way you relate to ladies should be a respectful. Men, you were created to be men of honor. Men like God. Men like Jesus. And we treat the ladies, you should be gentlemen. You should be noble. You should be kind and friendly, but very clear and clean on this issue. Don't let a woman's body, and don't play the game. I remember so well, I used to play that game some. Uh, this is, I'm ashamed of this. I'm ashamed of this. Dad, I never told you this one. Um, I used to, before I was converted, you know how you can play with your eyes? Or don't try it, you know. Play with your eyes with the girls. You can sit back and you're dumb. I was sort of ignorant to do that. But I, after, I was, I think I was soon after I was converted. And um, I was sort of new, and, and we had this visitor come into our church, and she sort of caught my attention. And one evening at a youth activity, I made the mistake, I mean, the sin, and I gave her sort of this look. You know, you, you know what those looks are? She knew too. And she looked at me just like this and smiled at me. And I understood so well, hey, buddy, you don't play with me. He just looked at me, just open facedly and just smiled at me. I felt like, just hiding. Because <laughs> she knew that my motive in that look was not good. And she just looked at me, open faced and just smiled at me and just withered me up. That was a lesson I'll never forget. <laughs> so men, don't play that game. Because, again, the, this thing of beauty and the sexuality is made for two people. It's not something to play around. It's not something to throw around and play as if it's something cheap. It's something you want to keep only for two people. And again, develop a good relationship with your mother, with your sisters, and with the sisters in the church. Be a friend to them, but be honorable and clean. And this thing mainly you need to watch is your own mind. Watch your mind and how you look and how you think. And there again, you know, 
trying to think of a verse, but I uh, don't know how to say it, quote it in English. There's a proverb that says, watch your heart. For out of your heart is where life comes. Watch your heart. And you know, and I know, and you all know, the struggles and the temptations, the illusions, the, the dreams, the things we can think of in our minds. Watch your heart. Because if you really want to be a Christian, you are on the inside, the way you think about this. Think about an honorable way. It's not wrong to think about maybe someday I'll be married. And I would like to be married. Nothing wrong with that. But you always have this, I'm going to do this within God's framework. I'm going to do this the way God's way. I'm going to keep myself for that. You know? And you decide, I'm not looking at pornography. You, you make that decision. No one can make it for you anyhow. You make that decision. I will not. And you have a reason. Because you want to follow God's way. You want to love just one woman. And there's... You know, for ladies, it's often a little different, but for ladies, it's going to be in romance novels and all kinds of other things where it's the same type of thing, where we play away with this thing and we're playing with our passions. And those are things we need to turn over to God. And I would just worship God with your... When you have strong temptations, when you feel like you're... Sometimes I know you can just feel bombarded. You say, Lord, hear me. I just... I remember one time as a single... Just a little suggestion. I was trying to terrible. I felt I was almost going under with temptations and struggles. And I took a Saturday off in fasting and prayer all by myself. And I found some release in that. I really did. Went off alone somewhere. I like going in the woods, you know. Went off alone in fasting and prayer. If you're having a strong struggle with some of these things, there's probably your parents, some pastors. It's another good person to go to and open up and share. Have them pray for you. Because our culture is just bombing. It's just attacking us in this area. Yeah. But I'd like to encourage you. One of the most beautiful things the Church of Jesus Christ have, and some of the beautiful things that, that Jesus has in the world is Christian youth. Christians have an open, clean, honest face. And I think I said that the other night too. And people say, you're the most beautiful youth. I've had them said that about my children. Your children are so beautiful. And so if you can have a clean heart, an open face, serving God and keep yourself clean, you know, you're a wonder in this world. The world we're in, you're a wonder. So don't let yourself play with it in the sly because that catches up with you. It catches up with you. Keep yourself clean. Be a person of honor for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to encourage you to live life to the full. Go for it. Live life to the full, but for the Creator, in the Creator and with Him in His way. Live it for Him. And that's such a thrill. This world has nothing to offer compared to the thrill of giving all to God and living for Him and have a clean life. And I would like to say that if, if someone I'd like to finish tonight, if someone here has had been, got involved in things they shouldn't, to feel like your life's been messed up and you've got into things you wish you would have never done. A young brother at home who came to me called me up one night crying on the phone. Pornography. We've been meeting every once in a while and he says, I wish I'd have never got into that. I wish I'd have never seen it. 
And as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, I like to pray with young men like that and ask them to free, free them from that and the thing of accountability. But if you've not got into that, you just decide you're not going to. You make that decision as you drive down the road and you see all kinds of things. You make that decision. Dad, Leon, or any of the other ministers, they can't make it for you. <laughs> you make it. And if you've been wrong in the wrong things and you feel like you're messed up, or maybe there's other areas in your past that you feel that way, I would encourage you to look for help, to find an older brother or sister you can open up and share with and pray about, because Jesus does heal. And I have seen people who have lived in very sinful lives that Jesus has restored and healed, and they can be wonderful fathers and wonderful mothers. God can heal those things. But I still like to emphasize to the ones that haven't gotten into that type of thing to stay free. And I want to remind you, young boys here, you can understand me, it's a decision you have to make. With the help of the Lord Jesus, I'm not getting involved in that. But I want to encourage you because one of the most beautiful things the Church of Jesus Christ has is young people that are living for Him. One of the problems the Church of Jesus Christ has is young people, and older people too, who try to do both. Sort of mix up the things and be a little bit here and a little bit there. Sometimes you hear those say, I don't want to be too holy. Um, well, it's not a very good scene and it's not a very good life. What Calvin was saying, the abundant life, when we try to play two lives, it's not full. You don't get the fullness of the Christian life. You don't get the fullness of the world either. Well, the world doesn't have any, but... Um, but I'd like to encourage you to go all the way with the Lord. And if there's areas where you've not been doing that, I'd encourage you to go home and pray about it and change. Just that, change. It's not with me, it's between you and God. But you can say from now on, this is changing. And it can, with Jesus' help. And if you need help, look for someone to pray with and talk with you about it. But if you've been playing in the wrong way, you've been doing the wrong things, if what you're doing right now, the way you're living, the way relating to other young people, or things you're looking at and things you're doing, if you would not want to do them if you were married to that person you're going to love, stop it now. See what I'm saying? Stop it now. Because if it's not good after you're married, it's not good now. And I'd just like to encourage you to stop. Think. And if other people are doing it, your friends, I just heard a case at home. A young girl who's been sharing, she's in a tremendous pressure. Right now, she's right now, and I'm praying for her, she's under tremendous pressure. There's a little group, there's a group of girls getting involved in the wrong type of thing. And what do I do? Do I keep going with the group, or do I step out? I know that's a hard decision for a youth to make. I remember. But if you're involved in something like that, now is the time to do it. You might be an example that uh, others will follow you. If they don't, you don't want to keep that way. You decide. Me not. Me not. We need young people like that. And I'm putting a challenge out today, and I think you're, you're going to meet that challenge. Let's be what Jesus wants us to be. Be willing to change. Be willing to bring our lives into and flow with the Creator God. And remember holiness is beautiful. Holiness is, is, is the fullness of joy. And holiness simply is living for Jesus, living for Him, living for Him.
Let's pray. No, let's do this different. I don't know what's happening in the young people's hearts here tonight. Um, would you mind just stepping up here around there? And I'll have a special prayer for you. Would you like that? Let's just do it that way. I'm not going to make you, I'm not going to make a decision here who's who and who's what. But I'm inviting all the youth just step up here around here in a circle and we'll have a special prayer for you. How would that be? Just step up here. If the one's in the back too, just step up here and let's have a special prayer for our youth. I don't know if we could ask the fathers, those maybe too many of us. But you know, young, uh, fathers and mothers, we need to pray and stand behind our youth. These people that are standing up here are facing a difficult world to live in, aren't you? Much more so when I was young. I wish I could ask the fathers to come up and stand behind them. Would you like to? What are the ones that are fathers? Step up here behind this group and let's pray. Let's pray for the young people. If you have a young person up here, just stand up here and let's pray for them. Let's pray for them. That they can be what God wants them to be in this world of darkness. These are the flowers of Jesus Christ. The beautiful thing that church has if these young people can serve God. But the enemy is out after them. The enemy is trying to destroy them. And Let me see here. Maybe I'll pray and... Uh, let me see. Leon, you're one of the oldest ones probably. Huh? Maybe I'll pray here and then you, have, you say a prayer too, okay? And let's pray for these young people. And we're praying because we want to stand with you and encourage you to stand for Jesus and be what Jesus wants you to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this evening. We thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for Jesus Christ, who forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We thank you for calling us to be your children. And Lord, we have this beautiful group of young people standing here. You know each one. You know each heart. You know the struggles they've been through, the failures and the longings of their hearts, Lord. And tonight, in the name of Jesus, we're just praying a special blessing, a special ministry of your spirit to each personal heart. And you would meet them, Lord, and give them a longing to go all the way with you, all the way for you, Lord. There's some here that have struggles and things that they need to open up with someone else, things in their past. And things they need to talk to someone about. I just pray that you'd give them the courage to do that. But that this group of young people could rise up to the challenge, rise up to the call to be young people for you in these, aid, these days of darkness. Lord, bless them in a very personal way. Bless the fathers that are standing here behind them. Oh, Lord, help us, fathers. And we can encourage our youth and strengthen them, Lord. Give them what they need, Lord, to face this world of darkness. We could love them. Stand with them. Bless them, Lord. We just commit these youth to you, Lord, and to your grace.